everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast. I'm Phil Kitchen-Malides. Uh, Sid, you're in a t-shirt. I am. It's a nice day. I mean, it's... I have it's, just taken my jumper off. It's not okay. like I've been in a t-shirt all day. It's quite nice. Yeah. It's like 15 degrees. Yeah, yeah. that's summer. That's summer, isn't it? You've been here 20 years, so you should know. I still, I still go for it every year. I, I still fall for it every year as well. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, it is a relatively nice day, and it is a good day for us to talk about football, uh, because match day 23 is on the verge of finishing in La Liga. We still have one game, which is the Monday night game, which is Cadiz against Athletic Club. But apart from that, all the other matches are done. So let's tell you uh, how that went. On Friday night, Celta uh, recorded their first win of the year uh, in 2021. They beat Elche uh, by three goals to one. A uh, defeat which stretched Elche's winless run to 16 matches. It also meant the final game in charge for Jorge Almiron. He's been replaced uh, by old old face uh, in charge of uh, Elche. Old uh, Fran Escribar uh, is back in charge of the uh, side. Uh, from the province of Alicante, let's see, because they are in all sorts of trouble. Uh, Saturday saw uh, Atletico Madrid squeeze out a win at Granada by two goals to one with a relatively late deflected winner for Atletico Madrid when things are going your way. They're going your way. Sid pretty confidently predicted that Atletico Madrid wouldn't win this weekend, so they duly did go and win. <laughs> Although they were pushed. They were pushed. Yeah, yeah. As you say, it took a, a late fluke. Uh, as were Sevilla, uh, who beat Wesker by a goal to nil Munir with the only goal of the game on 57 minutes. Bono uh, making more and more saves as well against the uh, the bottom side in, in La Liga. But he was forced into some really good saves. And he's been, uh, the goalkeeper, one of Sevilla's most uh, impressive performers in recent weeks and Sevilla of course who have got a big Champions League game coming up uh, against Borussia Dortmund and then Eibar and Valladolid uh, drew 1-1 the game that you were commentating on on the radio Sydney yeah was it exciting it was all right I mean it wasn't as bad as a 1-1 draw between these two teams suggests and (laughs) and it's always fun to watch Brian Hill play yes uh, lovely player for uh, for uh, Eibar although that that draw for either side not doing them much good. And then Barcelona beating Alaves by five goals to one. Uh, it was 2-1 going into the last 15 minutes, uh, but then Barca really ran away with it. Messi with uh, two great goals. Trincao adding a bit of end product as well to uh, his game with uh, a brace and uh, Junior Firpo scoring uh, as well. Luis Rioja scoring for uh, Alaves. He's a young player. He's hopefully going to get better as he gets older. Yep. Luis Rioja See what we did there. <laughs> Sunday uh, saw Real Sociedad beat Getafe by uh, a goal to nil. The only goal of the game scored by Alexander Isak. He is the youngest player since Brazilian Ronaldo to score in five consecutive games in La Liga Santander. He's up to, to nine goals for the season, as many as he scored in the whole of last season, the young Swedish striker. Then Real Madrid beat Valencia by two goals to nil. An unbelievably comfortable victory for Real Madrid against a Valencia side who were absolutely abysmal. More on that uh, in just a moment. Big, big win for Osasuna at the bottom of the table. Uh, they beat Levante by a goal to mil, Ante Budimir. Uh, with the only goal of the game, it was a really big win for Osasuna because no one else in the bottom half uh, has won. Yeah, and weekend. if Cardiff were to fail to win tonight, it'd feel even bigger for them. Uh, then uh, the final game on Sunday night was uh, Villarreal 1, Betis 2. Uh, it's only Villarreal's third defeat of the season. It's their first defeat at home since July. It came in controversial fashion, I think it's fair to say. They they had a goal 
<laughs> an equaliser in the 94th minute uh, ruled out because the referee had blown for a foul in their advantage. Yes, and, and it, didn't didn't play the advantage. Didn't play the advantage it was a, a little bit shambolic. But Fekir and Emerson got the goals uh, for uh, Betis. Betis, by the way, just uh, they're up to seventh. Villarreal are sixth. They dropped to sixth. It's Real Sociedad uh, who are fifth. But Sevilla are very very comfortable uh, in fourth. They're seven points clear of Real Sociedad with a game in hand as well. Remember, Sevilla finished ten points clear of Villarreal who are fifth last season. It looks like that gap from the top four to the the rest of the chasing pack could be pretty similar this season. Uh, let's talk about the um, the leaders then, Atletico Madrid, who beat Granada. That's a very fast car in a quiet residential car park. It was yes. very fast. Anyway, um, let's talk about Atletico Madrid, who beat Granada by, by a goal to nil. Sydney, they had to suffer. They did have to suffer. Yeah, they did. And that was always quite likely. I think Granada are one of the most impressive teams in Spain. I think they're very well organised. I think they're the kind of team that make it difficult for you. They're not a team that necessarily wants a huge amount of possession. No. They're, they're good when they break. They open the pitch out very well. I think they're brilliantly managed. Um, and and I, I always felt that this was likely to be a difficult game for Atletico, not least because, of course, I think it's six players have got COVID at the moment. Yep. They, they, they have, I think, significant issues from, from that point of view. It's true that they have enough strength and depth to still put out a very strong side. I mean, you look at that starting eleven. there's not a huge amount wrong with it. Um, but there are players missing who would probably be in that starting eleven. Yes, there the are. Likes of Hermoso, Carrasco, um, Trippier. Trippier. Well, he's missing for a different reason. Yes, but yes, yes. Uh, I'm talking about the ones who've got COVID, uh, yeah. Thomas Lamar and Jao Felix. Yeah, well. all of whom would, would, as you say, normally start. And, and it's a little bit, as we were talking about this with Real Madrid and Real Madrid's injury problems, that Madrid were having problems in terms of the strength and depth on the bench rather than the starting 11 this is problems in terms of starting 11 but there's sufficient strength in depth mm. that the team that begins the game is, is still a very good one um, I actually felt that Atletico played okay with given given all of those circumstances given the quality of the team that they were they were up against um, the surprise and this is an ongoing problem for them recently was that having taken the lead they then lost it again only three mm. minutes later uh, they've now conceded five games in a row they mm. don't have quite that solidity about them I thought in the first half there were even a couple of moments where where all black looked a little bit shaky which is which is almost heresy to say mm. that um, and and they found a way through it and I think if you want to know I think a combination of things one the extent to which this game had been kind of earmarked in advance is one that might be difficult. And then two, the reality of the game itself. Mm -hmm. You want to see that expressed, you see it expressed in Diego Simeone's response at the final whistle. When he, I mean, well, building up to the final whistle, the tension, I guess because they just conceded in the last minute against Celta, so he knew that this isn't done yet. But then when the final whistle goes, he kind of roars and then turns and literally runs down the tunnel, doesn't wait for Diego Martinez from, from Granada. Bit rude. Think, bit rude. Bit rude. I mean, I imagine he would have then spoken to him underneath the, the stand at some point. Um, but I think that tells you that this was someone who was thinking, this could slip away from us. And, mm. and I think emotionally, this is quite a big victory for them. Um, speaking of uh, Diego Simeone and, and what he had to say, very, very interesting his response when he was asked about Marcos Llorente in Brilliant. the post-match uh, yeah. press conference. Obviously, Llorente, who scored and assisted uh, in this game. He's got seven goals and seven assists so far uh, this season. The lead assist to give uh, in uh, in La Liga. Is he? Uh, I hadn't realised that. I think no. he is, yes. Yeah. Um, and he was asked uh, about him and about his 
transformation into the, this kind of this kind of player. And it was it was a really brilliant answer from Simeone, wasn't it? It was because it was an answer that that went beyond just you know these are the things that he's improved. Went beyond I think as well even the the kind of yeah I'm very pleased for him. He's a young lad and he's very likable. There was a, <laughs> there was a kind of a, there was but it was a, at the same time it was both of those things. Yes, in the, in, there was a depth to it. He talked about the way that when you're a coach. And this is Simeone, by the way. Bear mm. in mind, the context is this is Simeone. This is Mr. Partido a Partido. This is Mr. Game by Game. This is Mr. It's all about the result. It's all about the effort. But he talked about how when you have a young player who shifts, when a young player who gives everything he can to find a role where previously he didn't have one, who evolves differently, who you can see effectively the, the, the results of your teaching on him, he was saying that's what really fulfills you. That's he what said, you, like, that's the best thing. That's the best that's thing there is. That's, winning that's the thing that yeah. really kind of fulfills you. And I suppose what that does is it, it brings us back to something that we sometimes lose sight of. And that is that some coaches, at least, are driven by... I don't know if you call it this in English. The Spanish refer to it a lot as didactic. Mm. As that, that sort of sense of being a teacher. Mm. You're, you're a mentor to young men. Mm. Um, and, and that came across really, really warmly in this answer, didn't it? Mm. It was also praising Marcos Llorente's unbelievable work ethic when he wasn't even getting in the team. So yes. He said this guy was going, he was training super harder than he was going home and he was training even more. This was when he wasn't even playing. And then we realised and we saw this guy and we said, hey, listen, maybe we, maybe he needs to play somewhere else in the, in, in the, in the pitch. Because we need to find somewhere for him. We need to find him. somewhere for him, yeah. And, and that's exactly And what actually what's happened in the last few weeks, certainly yes. since the absence of Trippier, is he started playing all over the place yes. because obviously early in the season... And I do still think he would be an even better player with Trippier because their combination yes. in what you could call an outside right and an inside right position, the two yeah. of them almost in parallel to each other, mm. was really, really useful. Um, Llorente's played a few times in Trippier's position. I don't think it entirely works because you, you're taking him that little bit too far away from the forward line. We've seen him a couple of times on the left. I don't like... But the main thing with him is... Clearly, you need to put him in a position where he gets in contact with the ball quite a lot because he's good with the ball. But in particular where you can create a structure that means that he can break into space mm -hmm. around the area. Um, and he does that really well. And that's not just about the physicality, although the physicality is a big part of it. It's also about the the judgment, the timing, the, mm -hmm. the knowing when to go. And and he finishes really, really cleanly, by the way. And the goal at the weekend is a, is a very good example of that. Absolutely. Um, Atletico then beating uh, Granada by two goals to one in what was a potential banana skin, but they, but they came through it just to quell the notions that we might have a, a, a league title race. There's still many points up for grabs, but if they can come through games like this in this context of, well, having lots of players missing, having... Yeah. having uh, given up a lead as well in their last game and, and dropped points against Celta to come into this game. It was a it was a big big hurdle which they which they overcame. They now have exactly the same record after twenty one games as they had the year they won the league. Mm. It's uh, it's looking pretty good for Atletico Madrid, but as we know, partido a partido, game by game. Yeah. Uh, Barcelona beating Alaves by five goals to one, coming off the back of that uh, disappointing result for them in the Copa del Rey. They were beaten two 0 by Sevilla, um, but they had. Pretty, very few problems against uh, against Alaves. Uh, Once they scored the first goal, they had yeah. very few problems. I, I, I thought Alaves actually started reasonably well in, a, in in what you always suspected would be a very defensive approach. Mm. They weren't going to try to do a huge amount. They were going to hope that they could perhaps catch Barcelona on the break. And, and until that first goal, you kind of felt like, actually, there is a chance they make life difficult for Barcelona. But after that, there really wasn't much of a game. Mm. Um, you know, the, the, and I thought Barcelona... 
I wouldn't say they were brilliant, but as the game wore on, they got better and better. And mm-hmm. by the end, the last 20 minutes or so, admittedly, the last 20 minutes were always a little bit false, and it's against Alaves, and you're already a couple of goals up. Um, and, and I thought there could have been more of a wobble when they went 2-1 up. In other words, when Rioja scored to, to make it look like there might be a game. But I thought their response was very good. Um, Pedri came on and played brilliantly. Um, you've got you've got Messi, I think, reaching Messi levels now, which, you know... There's, Eight goals in the last five league games. And just a... a, a you know, we've, we've talked a lot this year, and at, at the risk of you know, overplaying it and looking for clues that, that maybe aren't clues and, and exaggerating gestures and exaggerating the look on his face and try to analyse him and psychoanalyse him from, from afar. Um, what was interesting about this and what has, I think, been interesting about the last five or six games is I was going to say how happy he looks, but I'm not even sure I'd necessarily call it happiness. I would call it competitiveness. Mm. A sense that there's a mission to be fulfilled now, a sense that there's something driving him which I think earlier in the season we perhaps didn't see. And the other thing, of course, is then just purely in terms of what he's producing. We talked back in, what would it be, late October, early November, mm. about how he wasn't scoring the messy goal. Mm. He was scoring from the other side, mm. across the goal, but he wasn't scoring the messy goal anymore. It was going just a fraction wide or a fraction over, or he wasn't quite catching it right. Now that messy goal is going in as well. I mean, mm. his second goal at the weekend was absurd. It was, I mean, it was absurd because it looked so easy. Mm. So, bang, top corner. I mean, Pacheco doesn't even move. A very good goalkeeper who played very well. <laughs> and that was a kind of a sense of, you know, I suppose a bit like a cricket cricketer or a tennis player. He's got his iron now. Yes. He really has got his iron. Yes, like a, you know, a sharpshooter. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's coming good at the right time as well with the uh, the resumption of the Champions League. Yeah. I mean, obviously, look, we, we, we have to treat this with a certain degree of caution because um, they have played, I think it's 13 games since the back end of December. Mm-hmm. Um, they're playing every three days. They've had five extra times in that period, the two games in the Super Cup, the three in the Copa del Rey. That obviously has an impact. And also look at these games... And they haven't played the best sides. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but they've played Wesca and Elche and Athletic Club three times. Admittedly, Athletic were a decent side. Uh, they beat Real Sociedad, but it was on penalties. Um, there's Alaves in there. Uh, Granada. Granada in there. Betis in there. You know, and, and who are the really good teams they faced? I suppose you could argue only one Sevilla. of them, but that's Sevilla and they lost. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, there's absolutely no doubt, and obviously if you listen to this after the Barcelona-Paris Saint-Germain game, we may be made to look very silly here. But there's no doubt that the balance has shifted enormously. I'll be honest with you, when the draw was made, that's it, Barca are out. Mm. Absolutely, Barca are out. They are not good enough to beat Paris Saint-Germain. And I look at it now, and I say this without the expertise that you need to cover Paris Saint-Germain. Insert your own no expertise on Spain either joke just here. Um, Now I look at it and think, actually, why not? Well, it's a Paris Saint-Germain side without Neymar and Jody Maria as well, two important players missing. And Gerard Piquet back in training ahead of that game. And I was thinking about this on the way here, actually, and I thought, they're going to risk him, aren't they? Mm. Because at first I thought, there's no way you risk him because you're putting up against someone like Mbappé with the pace that Mbappé's got. And then I thought, yeah, but Ronald Araujo's not going to make it. Mm. And so you've got Longley, Mingueza... And Umtiti, mm. right? Given what's happened recently, I don't think you put Umtiti up against Mbappe either. I suspect, <clears throat> excuse me, I suspect that Kuma might want to protect himself, so maybe he plays Mingetha at right back. So I think we might see Mingetha, Longley, and PK all play. 
Okay. With Alba, obviously, on the other side. Uh, PK's been out for four months. So. I know. And that's why I'm not convinced by this, but I think the absence of, of Araujo makes me think, oof, they... I wouldn't be that surprised if they risked this. Big game at the Camp Nou on Tuesday night, the last 16 of the Champions League, the first leg, uh, Barca against PSG. Uh, let's move on back to La Liga and talk about Real Madrid's 2-0 victory over Valencia. We'll talk about Real Madrid. Um, we will. There's stuff for us to say. Yeah, there is, definitely. But Valencia, bloody hell. We, we were talking about this They're on so WhatsApp bad. yesterday, weren't we? And, yeah. I, and I was saying to you, they were too bad to even bother being bad. Yeah. Because they were... This wasn't a Valencia performance where you look at it and go, oh, look at that terrible mistake. Mm-hmm. Or look at that awful miss. Or, oh, look at the way he threw that one in his own net. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, look how badly played this pass was. There was nothing wrong with it in terms of, here's a highlights reel of cock-ups. Yeah? Well, there were quite a few misplaced passes. Yeah, okay, okay. all right, yeah. 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 But it was more that they were just bad at everything. everything. Like, it was, yeah. it was a kind of... A generalised malaise. Yeah. As I say, it was almost like they couldn't be bothered to be properly bad, yes. <laughs> if you see what I mean. Yeah. Um, there was a lack of any sense of drive or they, objective they or organisation. Like, exactly. Run. <laughs> of of um, competitiveness, mm. of anything. Mm. I and mean, it was... I mean, again, as you say, you know, let's not take it away from Real Madrid, who I thought played very well. But, but the, if the focus at the moment is on Valencia, it was... It was sort of, to use in the most literal sense, it was pathetic. Mm. And I don't mean that as a dismissive phrase. I mean that is in that you you looked at it and it, and it, it gave you a sense of kind of sadness. There was mm. a, there was a pathos about watching them. There was a, it was just it's like, is this really what Valencia are? Um, and by the way, it's not what they were two years ago. It's not what they were two years. And by the way, <laughs> you know. We know about the, the, the sort of the if you like the the institutional and organisational and, and squad building destruction of this team. I think also the everything that's happened with Javi Gracia is part of this, and it's part of the way that you condition what goes on, the culture at the club, and so on. That said, let's forget Meriton for a minute, and forget Peter Lim for a minute, and forget Anil Morty for a minute, and all of those elements. This set of players. Mm-hmm should be better than this. Mm. And that is partly on Gracia. Yeah. And and it's partly on Gracia because he didn't walk where maybe he should have done. And of course the minute that happens, that changes everything. That changes the dynamics internally. It changes the sense of authority. I don't think there's any sign by the way that that his that the players aren't with him. But certainly there doesn't doesn't seem to be a shared what would you call it? Identity, sense of purpose, mission. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's not it. like at least we're all in this together. We're all rubbish together, you know. Oh, I mean, or, or even, you know, you hate the owners, so do I, but yeah. we're a football team and we're going to yeah. prove this and we're going to show them that they were wrong about us. Mm. Um, Rebeldia. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a touch of rebellion, a touch of, of, of kind of resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were just incredible. They were, I mean, they were basically, they didn't exist. They were irrelevant. Mm. It was bizarre. Yeah. By the way, if you'd like to ask us a question, if you think we should talk about something that we haven't mentioned on the podcast, if you'd like more content related to Spanish football, come and join us at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. We do a Q&A pod every Tuesday, a bonus pod every Thursday. TSFP Presents is our bi-monthly historic series as well. There's loads of content there. We review the papers every single morning. And when I say we, producer Al does that. So yeah, come and join us. Costs from just five euros a month. And there's loads of content there. And come and join the the community we've built, Sydney. There is a community. There's 1,400 people there. We, we talk, we exchange messages. It's, it's good fun. Um, 
Real Madrid. They were good. I mean, you got you can only you can only beat the side that's in front of you. Simply. Yeah, and they, I, they they were very very comfortable. They it's curious, isn't it? Because we're looking at a Real Madrid team who this year for a lot of the season we haven't been completely convinced by them, and yet all three of their central midfielders, which in theory are the players that impose an identity on a team, hmm. have actually been pretty good for the immense majority of the season. You wonder how long that can last because they are playing every game right now. Um, Benzema. It's true he's had a few games where he hasn't quite been at his level, but generally speaking, he's had a pretty good season. Um, I really liked uh, Lucas Vasquez when he came on. Mm. Danny Carvajal. I actually thought losing Carvajal would be a brutal problem. I think Carvajal has something that other players in that team don't have. That little touch of nastiness, that little extra competitiveness. Um, I suppose, to use a cliche, you could call him streetwise could you or, 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 or <laughs> I don't know what you call it you know that, that sort of little dirty. touch of yeah it's more than dirty it's, it's the it's the there's a free kick I'll throw okay. the ball away so they can't take it straight away I'm, okay. I'm just going to back off with it and get in the way so they that sort of thing you know those little elements which can matter um, but I thought Lucas Vasquez came on and played really really well as you say it's difficult to judge it against any other team you you wonder if maybe in fairness to Valencia they partly played badly because Madrid controlled the ball so well moved mm. it so well um, didn't always create a huge amount of chances the curious thing was you looked at the chances mm. and they're nearly all shots from around the edge of the area mm. it's not often they actually got behind Valencia mm. you sort what of I mean um, but I suppose in a way they didn't need to because Valencia didn't put so much pressure on them that they couldn't take shots from positions where if you're not under pressure you can actually score goals and Tony Cruz scored the most Tony Cruz goal Tony Cruz can score um, you, you know what we're talking about if you don't it's a side foot nice finish from the edge of the then inside the yeah. post along the floor perfectly placed Luka Modric is playing like he's 26 I love Luka Modric it's unbelievable and, and he does this thing as well um, which at, at times you know because you look at Real Madrid's lineup and they play Casemiro in the middle I mean everyone knows this Casemiro in the middle Modric slightly to the right and Cruz slightly to the left mm-hmm. But that's not actually true because what happens is Casemiro plays in the middle with, with Cruz really quite close to him and then Modric kind of goes off mm. and he bombs up and down the right wing and he dashes through the inside right channel and he does those kind of shuttle runs with the ball that, 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 that kind of break through lines and open things up. He's got a real energy about him mm. um, which as you say given his age is, is a bit nuts and I, I do wonder whether this can be sustained throughout a whole season. I do wonder if Madrid at some point will regret the departure of Erdegaard, um, will feel for the for the absence of Valverde for injury, which of course isn't their fault. Although Zidane said something very interesting at the weekend. Mm-hmm. Asked about the injuries, he said it's not chance. He didn't tell us what it was, but he did say it wasn't chance. And I don't know if that's a criticism of the fixture list, whether it's an implicit criticism of, if you like, the medical management of the team, whether he thinks there's something else going wrong, whether he feels it's about no, not he having had there's pre- too many games. He's yeah, said that, but, I, but I think it, I thought he was implying something a little bit more than just that, hmm. because Madrid have had more, by the way, than other teams. Hmm. Um, admittedly, we were just talking about Atletico have had lows, and Barca have had big ones. Although Barca, I think, have had probably more trauma injuries than Madrid have had. Feels like it. I might be wrong about that. I'd have to do the maths, which is never a good thing. Yeah, don't don't do any don't maths. do that. Uh, but yeah, tell me how many points behind Real Madrid are Atletico. Uh, isn't it five? It's five. Yeah. Atletico have got two games in hand, but it's still... Well, only... one of them is this week uh, against Levante. Yes, uh, midweek. There is midweek football in La Liga, that game uh, against Levante. It was supposed to be on Tuesday, but it's been moved to Wednesday. 
Has it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Glad you told me. Yes. Um, I'll be in Seville, I think, on Wednesday. Is Wednesday the night Sevilla play Dortmund? I think it must be. Yeah, it must be. Um, so, yeah, we've got we've got that to look forward to, as we said. Sevilla against Dortmund, Barcelona against PSG, and in La Liga, Levante uh, against uh, Atletico Madrid. Uh, quick... That's the biggest of the three games, basically, isn't it? <laughs> well, but it could have huge ramifications do. if they don't win that. Bear in mind that Atletico play Levante again at the weekend. Do they? Yeah, they've effectively got a head-to-head, like a, almost like a cop of the ray tie. Yeah, they've got them twice in a row. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Um, home and away as well. It really is a cup away. tie. Yeah, 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 home and away. It is. Uh, okay, uh, quick uh, mention. We've spoken quite a bit about uh, Getafe uh, in uh, in recent weeks. Mm. Um, Jose Bordalas uh, getting sent off again. Um, they've got one point from the last possible 15. They're in a sort of I feel slump. Like, I, I feel like he's in a spiral as well. Yeah. Because um, I think he has a point. You know, when he says that, that people kind of point the finger at them too easily. But on this occasion, he's certainly not blameless. And it's not chance that, that there are more confrontations between managers that involve him than there are other managers. Mm. It is to do with the way that Getafe play. It isn't totally... De- you can't decontextualise it from, from their approach. And I also think that his edginess is partly about that sense of losing control. Mm. Um, he was sent off last week against Sevilla missed the midweek game against Real Madrid and got, sent, back off. And got sent off again got sent off uh, again also getting sent off was Unai Emery yes uh, although after the final whistle well it was weird he, he, he's just ducking into the tunnel as they play the last second I think right. but I'm not actually sure if he was sent off then at that moment or not he was very interesting because post game he said I said to the referee that, that's bad luck isn't it and he sent me off the referee's report confirms or at least backs up Unai Emery's version of events and actually it doesn't sound particularly offensive what Unai Emery said except one implicit thing he says that's bad luck isn't it and I don't believe in bad luck so that's where the kind of the, the, the twist lies I suppose yes he was suggesting that this this seems to be bad luck with this particular referee um Again and again and again. Yeah, and, again. and, and in this, on this occasion, he's certainly right. The decision was an absurd one. Um, it's a free kick to Villarreal. The ball runs. I can't remember who it runs onto. They score. Now, there is a slight moment where Betis' players stop, I think. So, who knows? It might not have gone in. But it's absolutely a clear advantage. You play it. By the way, there was also a penalty for a handball in this game, <laughs> which I've seen a hundred times, and I still don't know if it's a handball or not. Well, I don't think... I think you know it's not. Well, I think it's not. Yeah. But, I mean, I've watched it enough times that I... Yeah. 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 Um, is he under pressure, uh, Emery? I, mean, I think he must be. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's six games without a win. I can uh, I can correct you if you are wrong. Which I, I frequently am. So, I mean, but, th- but there's a good chance that you're not wrong. Uh, they beat Girona in the Copa del Rey four games ago, but they've gone four games without a win. Right, and so in the league it might well be six. Yeah, in the league it might well be six. Because um, obviously they spent a lot of money uh, in the summer. They brought They've had a lot in of injuries as well. as well, by the way, in fairness to them. Um, but I, I thought this was a... Five games without a win. Five without a win, yeah. there you go. I thought this was a, a disappointing performance from them as well. It wasn't just that they were beaten. I, I thought they uh, I thought they really weren't very good. Mm, okay. But do, like I said, do you think he's under pressure? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, let's see. Uh, I think Europe will define it, though. They've dropped down to sixth. Because we're talking about we're talking about Mr. Europa League, yes. And I think the reason he comes in was that determination from the Roch family that this club has to win something, and I think winning something is more important to them than Champions League qualification. Okay. Uh, well, they've got uh, Salzburg on uh, yes. on Thursday night in the uh, Europa League. We'll see how uh, how Villarreal uh, get on. Um, in the Segunda, there was a big wee win for Espanyol. They beat uh, Mallorca two one. Uh, Mallorca are still top. They're two points ahead uh, of Espanyol, who are level with Almeria. 
they beat Las Palmas. Almeria have a game in hand as well. Leganes are going well since the return of Asia Garitano. They're fourth. They beat Albacete. Elsewhere, Rio drew 2-2 at Cartagena. Bloody Ruben Castro still banging the goals in it's for Cartagena. Amazing, isn't it? Two goals. How old is he now? He's 39. Wow. Um, they should get him back together with Jorge Molina, the old sort of betis partnership, but do, do it when they're about 55. Well, they have a combined age of 78. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, Oviedo hosting Lugo yes. tonight. You going to watch that? Yeah. Of course you are. Right? Ridiculous I've got to do some work, so I will, okay. I'll be watching it while I'm working. All right. Um, as I said, we've got a Q&A pod out for patrons tomorrow at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. Then it's going to be a, a big bonus pod uh, talking those big midweek games on Thursday. So make sure you come and join us over on our Patreon page. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Otherwise, eh, all right, we'll be here next week. Don't worry. Adios. Cheerio. Cheerio.